Welcome to Now Appalachia, hosted by author and Appalachian resident, Elliot Parker. This show profiles the authors and publishers that have connections to the Appalachian region and how those connections influence and impact their works. And now, Appalachia. And hello, friends. We welcome you to another episode of Now Appalachia, heard here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm your host, Elliot Parker. It's great to have you with us as we continue to profile the outstanding authors and publishers who have connections to Appalachia and are writing about Appalachia and the Appalachian region. And today we're going to be talking about something a little unique to the program as we start our first episode of the year 2020. And that is focusing on independent bookstores. And if you've been a frequent listener to this program or if you've listened to any of the podcast episodes of this program over the last couple of years, you will know that many of the writers we've had featured on the program oftentimes will talk about and mention the value and the importance of independent bookstores and how many independent bookstores were the first connection that a lot of writers had when they were starting out to finding an audience and to finding readership. And that's going to be the focus of what we talk about today uh, with an outstanding Appalachian author. Uh, his name is Matt Browning, and he has written a new book called Bookstore Explorer, and it focuses on a lot of bookstores in the state of West Virginia, but we're also going to talk a little bit about his forays into going all over the country and all over the world visiting independent bookstores. And Matt joins us, as we mentioned, as the author of Bookstore Explorer West Virginia, which celebrates uh, the Mountain State's independent bookstores. He's also represented by the Stephen Fraser at the uh, Jennifer D. Chiara Literary Agency, he just recently signed his contract, I think today signed a contract as of as the day of this recording uh, for a new picture book, which he's going to talk about here in just a little bit. Uh, and he's also a public relations specialist at West Virginia State University in Institute West Virginia. So Matt, uh, welcome to Now Appalachia. It's great to have you here. Thanks. It's great to be here. I wanted to ask you what got you interested in writing a book about independent bookstores in West Virginia? Where did that idea come from? And when did you decide, you know what, I'm going to visit all of these bookstores in West Virginia and put them together in kind of a, a collection or an anthology? It started as an Instagram experiment. When I travel for my day job um, throughout the country, a hobby of mine was to seek out independent bookshops. And I started putting them on my personal Instagram account and I was hashtagging them bookstore explorer. Um, it started to gain a little traction and I, thought to myself, maybe there's a book in all of this somewhere. So I brought the idea home and living in West Virginia, you know, it's easily, it's easily traveled from top to bottom, you know, so it's not too much ground to cover. And when I researched, there were a lot more than I thought in the state. So I decided to focus a book just on the bookstores of West Virginia. And here we are, it really took off. So I wanted to ask you about independent bookstores. When we hear that term, uh, and people that maybe uh, don't think much about it or maybe don't kind of understand the vernacular or the jargon associated with that. When someone says, go to an independent bookstore, support your independent bookstore, we have an independent bookstore in our community, what does that term exactly mean? What is some context or um, things you can add to that definition of what uh, an independent bookstore is or define that for us? Um, I've never tried to formally define it. Uh, but I, it was interesting to ask it that way because when I was talking to some people throughout the state, asking them, are there any independent bookstores around? Some people would mention a chain store, like there's a Books A Million down the street or something like that. And I'm like, well, I'm looking more towards the independent. So the sort of locally owned, uh, considered small business 
maybe your mom and your pop kind of thing, owned by a local entrepreneur. Um, there's usually just one. You know, you can't go across the country and find another store like that one. So those were kind of the shops that I was looking for um, and found probably 30-some in West Virginia alone. And I, I think one of the things we find out when we, when we read your book is that uh, these independent bookstores that you profile in West Virginia um, are not just places that sell books. They have a much bigger role and a much bigger importance in the community. Can you talk a little bit about that, about what these independent bookstores mean to a lot of small towns, not just in West Virginia, but smaller communities in Appalachia, what having an independent bookstore sort of in your downtown or in your center square area of your community, what that, what that means to the community. Yeah, they are really becoming places of community activity, a community hub. Um, and it's interesting to see how they're diversifying beyond books in order to become that. Uh, I'll give you an example. I live in Charleston. So Taylor Books on Capitol Street downtown is the quintessential independent bookstore that's become a community hub. I mean, they have books galore, but they also have a coffee shop. They have a movie theater in the basement. They do pottery classes. Um, they have an art gallery. They do new and used books, so a pretty good variety of that. So you, you can go in there and find just about anything. It's a meeting place. It's a learning place. It's a place to have fun, and it's a place to buy books. And I know that, and I'm glad you mentioned Taylor Books there, there in Charleston, where you live and where I'm from, and mentioning some of the other activities and other things that they have going on in the community. I find it interesting, too, that a lot of your independent bookstores, as you mentioned, are, are those community hubs. And it's more than just about selling books. It's really about a place that celebrates community and collaboration and opportunities for people to get together and talk and relate and interact um, but I also think, too, when you look at an independent bookstore, you think about an independent bookstore, as a lot of our authors have mentioned on our program, as we talked about just a little bit ago, have said this was the first place, you know, these independent bookstores in my state, in my community, wherever it may be, were the first bookstores that said, yes, we don't know who you are, you don't have a big name yet, but we will take a chance on your book, and we'll put your book on our shelves, and we'll let you come and have a book signing, and we'll let you come and do a reading, and we'll let you come and put marketing materials about your book uh, in our store. And I'm, I'm wondering if, as you were traveling West Virginia, and I know you visited a lot of other independent bookstores all over the country as well, um, is that still really a, a central part of what those bookstores are? And if we've got somebody listening who uh, maybe is at the end stages of a manuscript or they're thinking about seeking a publisher, maybe they're going to go the self-publishing route or do some other type of hybrid publishing setup, uh, is that something, is that a place they should look? Are independent bookstores still, in your opinion, taking chances I don't want to say chances, but taking um, chances on authors or opportunities to uh, bring uh, new authors to readers. Absolutely. In fact, when I would talk to a shop owner and say, what do you offer beyond books? Author signings and author events was typically the first thing they would say. I don't know that I went into any shops that were opposed to that or didn't welcome the opportunity to do that. And it's it was very lovely to see as I've put this book out, the invitations have come in from the shop owners saying, please come, we want to help promote you as a regional author and this book. Now, of course, they're all in the book, so that helps a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Always, always gives them a little bit of a leg up or an advantage. We're talking enough, with... Uh, I was approached by a shop in Pittsburgh wanting to carry the book and have me up for a signing. So some of the neighboring counties in, in the states surrounding West Virginia are even welcoming to an author across the border. 
it's been really interesting to see that happen. That's great. That's great. Matt Browning is our guest here on this episode of Now Appalachia. We're talking to him about independent bookstores and their value uh, to communities and also talking to him about his book, his new book, Bookstore Explorer, West Virginia, which is a celebration of the Mountain State's independent bookstores. And, and Matt, we'll come back to, to that book in just a second. But as we mentioned at the top of the interview today, you, as of today, as of the day of this recorded uh, episode, you signed a contract with a publisher uh, regarding a picture book. So tell us a little bit about your picture book, what's going on in that picture book, and when can we expect it uh, to be available for readers? Sure. And you know, it's interesting before I launch into that, I've been at this for several years now, and I'm just now getting these projects off the ground. And I had a writer tell me years ago, when it happens, it'll happen really fast. And it's happening really fast. <laughs> so the children's picture book, um, at my day job at West Virginia State University, we have an event based around urban agriculture every year. So as part of our marketing campaign, we created a character-based campaign using a chicken who wears a necktie. Um, so you get the urban and the rural there with the city-fied chicken. The campaign really <laughs> took off. We kind of personified him and gave him a Twitter account and all this. Well, I took the concept and wrote his story as a children's book about a little chicken who lives on the farm but longs to live in the city. Um, he, he gets himself there and it's not what he thought it was gonna be. He's kind of regretful. Um, but he meets a little friend who shows him all of the opportunities for farming in an urban environment. So community gardens, urban orchards, um, things like that. So he learns that a chicken can indeed be a city-fied bird and live in an urban environment. Um, so we're in the illustrate, the, we're finishing up the illustration phase. I saw the illustrations this week too. They are looking beautiful and we're hoping to have it out in uh, April or May. Fantastic. So what is the target age range for that book in terms of maybe grade it's, level or age? It's uh, for younger children. It's written in verse. So there's a rhyming component to it and you know, younger children for sure. So that process, because um, we get a lot of questions from listeners about this, about contracts and publishers and when you sign and what are you signing. Can you briefly kind of walk us through that process of, of what that was like and, and how that worked for you? I, I know you have a literary agent and I know that um, you know, he handles a lot of that uh, for you, but what, what is that process like for the, from the time you, you, you tell him, here's my, here's my book, here's my manuscript, whatever it may be, uh, to the time that you sign the contract? What's kind of the back and forth that takes place there? Sure. Um, interestingly enough, I've worked sort of independently from my agent on these two particular projects. Um, the, the bookstore book I put out myself and the children's book, I'm working with a regional publisher here in West Virginia, but when I do work with my agent, um, for a novel, I'll write the manuscript first and send that to him and we'll kind of polish it up and get it all in good enough shape to start sending around. So then it's in his hands and he does the business end of it all in terms of sending it out in batches to editors and trying to get it sold. Um, so fortunately in those situations, yeah, I get to stick to the creative part. <laughs> now when I've been doing the bookstore project and even getting the children's book off the ground, I've had to exist in that business realm myself and it's very different. Um, in fact, I'll tell you, we went through it was kind of a circuitous route to publication for the bookstore book. I was working with the press who loved the idea and 
at the end of the day, it just wasn't going to be conducive for them to move forward cost-wise. The book would have been priced through the roof because it's very photo-heavy, full-color photo book. So all of a sudden, to keep the project alive, I was self-financing it. So now I'm trying to work on these other projects while still doing 100% of the promotion <laughs> for the bookstore book. Um, and it's keeping me very busy. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like a, a very involved and detailed process. And yeah. I know in addition to your picture book, you've got another book that you're working on. And this has been in development for a while, but I know you've made a little bit of progress on that book because you were awarded a fellowship, uh, an opportunity to kind of have uh, a month away from work and a month away kind of detached from your life and unplugged from society to just focus on writing. First, tell us a little bit about the uh, residency of the, uh, the fellowship that you won, and then what is the book that you were working on that kind of came out of that fellowship? Sure, and I tell you, it was very nice to, like you said, unplug and get away from it all for a few weeks. <laughs> um, it was the New River Gorge Creative in Residence Program at Lafayette Flats in Fayetteville, West Virginia. Uh, the owners of the flats, it's a vacation rental year-round. There's four flats in the building. Um, in the off season in Fayetteville, you know, there's not a lot of tourist traffic. So I think they wanted a way to, you know, keep some, some movement and action in the building, but also a way to provide a space for writers or other creatives to immerse themselves in the town of Fayetteville and work on a creative project, but a creative project that moves Appalachia forward in a positive way. And I'd had my eye on it for a few years, but originally it was, a multi-month, two or three month thing. And I just couldn't get away from you know, the real world for that long. But in 2019 and for 2020, they reduced the requirement to anywhere from two weeks to maybe two or three months. So the stars aligned for me to be able to spend one month there in Fayetteville. Um, and I was working on a novel. Like I said, they've opened it up to, it's not just for writers. The lady who's doing it now is a watercolor artist. There's a textile uh, maker coming soon too. But anyway, I was working on a novel. I've had this idea percolating for a few years about, uh, I don't want to describe it, a fictional Appalachian village set in modern day, but one in which old time Appalachian traditions and customs are still people's way of life. And Fayetteville proved to be the perfect setting to sort of build that world. And I got about 40,000 words of the novel done during the four weeks. Um, so that's not a full novel, obviously, but I got a pretty good chunk of it done. And I was very happy to spend the time there. Um, the people are great. They really embrace the creative residence. And I can't speak highly enough. If you're a writer or, or an artist of any sort, consider it. So, so you, you would definitely recommend... Uh, for someone that's maybe considering that or doing kind of what you did, looking at this and thinking, well, should I or could I or would it be worth, you know, having to sort of rearrange my life for a month or three weeks or however long, six weeks, however long the residency may be, you, you are definitely um, endorsing that for someone who's maybe considering that opportunity? Absolutely. For me, you know, I have a nine to five job and the responsibilities of being a grown up. So sometimes I was feeling, I was feeling a little divorced from my creative side there for a while. Um, I've written novels for years, but I was working on the bookstore book most of 2018 and 2019. A lot of fun, but you're flexing a different kind of muscle than when you're writing a novel or a children's book. So the chance to reconnect with that side of myself in an uninterrupted 
beautiful, serene space for a month was wonderful. That's terrific. That's fantastic. We've been talking with Matt Browning here on Now Appalachia about his career as a writer, what his most recent works are uh, that are both completed and in the works. And we're also talking to him about his new book, Bookstore Explorer. So Matt, let's go back to that for just a minute. Um, You mentioned a moment ago, you spent most of 2018, 2019 putting this together. What was the process like? How long did it take you to travel? How long did you spend in all of these communities in West Virginia? Who did you talk to in terms of bookstore guests and managers and all of that and employees. How, how did it all come together? How long did it take you? And what did you do as you made those stops along the way as, as, a, as a writer? Because I imagine you kind of served as a, in, as a reporter role at first, right? And having to you know, get, gather facts and gather kind of the unique characteristics of every store that you visited. You know, absolutely. I would very much was writing this book with my reporter hat on. Um, I started probably around Thanksgiving of 2018 was when I really thought I could do this. You know, that begins partly with Google research to see how many bookstores are in the state and realizing that there is enough to, to enough substance to make a book. So once I got on the road, I mean, I kind of just drew, I had a map of West Virginia with little dots of the places I needed to visit. Um, Luckily that uh, started during the holiday season. So I had a little time off from my day job. So I was trying to get as many places as I could in clusters. You know, I would go to the Northern Panhandle and for a few days or to the Eastern Panhandle or, you know, the ones closer to home, of course I could just go to. Um, I would try to reach out ahead of time, explain what I was doing and make sure there would be somebody there that I could talk to who knew the history of that store and its purpose in the community and, perhaps its future. And, uh, but sometimes I was just in the car and found a space by pulling up Yelp or something on my phone and went in and talked to whoever was there. Uh, for the most part, everyone was very welcoming, very excited to be a part of the book and to know that I was doing it and to learn that there are others out there like them running these stores. Um, so I think I finished the last store probably the summer 2019. So I was writing the whole time while I was visiting. Um, and then we went into production and it came out in December. So it was a little over a year of work altogether. Fantastic. Well, it turned out to be a terrific book. And even people who aren't from West Virginia, maybe don't have a connection to West Virginia, but want to learn more about uh, the value of independent bookstores and what those mean to communities should check out your book. I want to ask you this, this thing too, Matt, not to get into the weeds about money, but I had a boss one time who told me this. He said, you know, you know, business is not always about money or life isn't always about money, but 99.9% of the time it is about money. Um, can you talk about, I don't want to say the financial risks that a lot of these independent bookstore owners and managers undertake, but can you talk a little bit about my sense of this as a writer and as someone who visits and tries to buy as much as I can from independent bookstores is that there is a sense that some of this is done for the love of reading and for the importance of community and collaboration, and some of the things that you've been talking about. But for lack of a better expression, you know, independent bookstore owners aren't getting rich off of this. Um, can you comment a little bit about that? And did that come up in some of your conversations and your research? Did you get a sense that a lot of managers and owners were just, you know, basically, you know, yes, I mean, they, they make money to keep things going and to pay their bills, but this, this is not a thing that you would do if you want a high profit margin, I guess is what I'm asking. Can did you get a sense of that in talking to any of those owners or managers as you were doing your research? 
oh, I got more than a sense. I got explicitly told that by most of the people I interacted with. <laughs> um, one gentleman who runs a shop that carries new books told me that Okay, we're having a little bit of uh, some audio difficulty with you, Matt. Uh, if, I, if I can get you to hold, hold. Matt, are you there? Yep. Okay, sorry about that. We, we lost you for, for just a couple of moments. Let, let's backtrack to the question. Um, the, the question at hand there in terms of um, the profit margin and what was you were talking about a gentleman that you talked to who owns a bookstore of new books. Uh, fill us in yeah. on that a little bit. Each, each of the shop owners that I discussed this with very clearly said they're not in it to make money and they don't make a whole lot of money. Um, one of the gentlemen I was speaking with, he only carries new books in the shop and he said there are books that he has to purchase through his wholesale distributor that he could get for cheaper buying as a customer on Amazon. So that kind of tells you kind of what they're up against. Um, another lady was researching stores. She visited a store in Florida before she opened her own here in West Virginia. And, you know, the owner of that store said, don't do this if you're trying to make money. Do it because you're passionate and because hopefully you don't have a whole lot of overhead cost. Mm -hmm. And luckily in her case, she didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and I, re I really, I'm glad you mentioned that, and I really think that's an important point to take from, from this. When you see an independent bookstore, um, you know, these are not folks that are, as you said, doing this for a lot of money. They're doing it for the, the love of, of books and reading and the belief that they have in that and also the belief that they have about the importance of um, community and, and having a sort of a central meeting place. Um, they're getting creative in diversifying themselves enough to be able to not only survive, but thrive. Um, we talked about all the things that Taylor Books in Charleston has, but I saw some really cool, innovative things happening in West Virginia. There's a store that's working on uh, adding a literary themed escape room to its offerings. They already have board games. You can come in and play or rent and take home board games in addition to the books. Um, gosh, I'm kind of blanking on some of the other cool things, but all over the state, everybody's doing kind of their own cool thing. And they have these cool sidelines in addition to the books. That's really great. Really, really terrific. So Matt, in our final moments with you here today on Now Appalachia, if someone wants to get in contact with you to talk to you about your new book, Bookstore Explore, to ask you some questions about what it's like to do a fellowship slash residency, uh, or they want to talk to you more about your picture book that uh, you just signed a contract for or anything else, first off, how can they get in contact with you? And secondly, where can they get copies of your books? Sure. Now, my author website is mattbrowningbooks.com. I'm on all the social media um, platforms. My Twitter is just Matt Browning, which I'm still surprised I was able to snag. <laughs> um, and the bookstore component, I have a blog that accompanies the book where I blog about all my bookstore adventures, wherever they take me. And that's bookstoreexplorer.com, which is also where they can order the book. 
Fantastic. Matt Browning has been our guest here today on Now Appalachia. We apologize for the technical problems there. We, we lost Matt kind of in mid-sentence, but we got him back. Uh, great to have you here, Matt. Congratulations on your new book. His new book is Bookstore Explorer, profiling the independent bookstores and communities in which those bookstores inhabit throughout West Virginia. But if you want to learn more about what independent bookstores mean uh, to communities, and if you've got an independent bookstore in your community, and you want to know what the importance of that story is and what that means to your community, I would encourage you to check out Matt's book. It was, it was well-written, well-researched. He did a fantastic job putting it together. And uh, Matt, congratulations on it. And uh, as that picture book comes out and as you finish up the next uh, chunk of that 40,000-word novel that you're working on, uh, we'd love to have you back on Now Appalachia to talk about it. So Great. thanks I'll, again I'll for coming. Thank you. And that is going to do it for us on this episode of Now Appalachia. We invite you to stay tuned. More great podcasts coming your way here on the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network coming your way very, very soon. I'm your host, Elliot Parker. Until next time, stay well and see you someplace soon, I hope. You've been listening to Now Appalachia. This is a copyrighted podcast owned and operated by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Stay tuned. More outstanding podcasts are coming your way next. Stay tuned for more outstanding podcasts from the authors on the Air Global Radio Network.